You know, when I think about purpose, a lot of people think it's about title or money or having a certain role. But for me, purpose is being in the spot where you are drawn closer to God and using that to drive what needs to be manifest on earth. And and it was last year, so much happened in the social landscape, in the political landscape. And there was just this need in me to make sure that I'm using my time on this earth and the spot that I occupy to help people. Welcome to the Begin the Begin podcast. My name is Jeff Hillemeyer, and I'm on a mission to find out what makes people tick. Not just anyone, people who are making a profound impact on the world. I want to dig into their origin story and get to the root of why and how they do what they do. I hope you are as inspired coming out of these conversations as I am. Let's get into it. On this episode, I'm joined by my friend Shannon Watkins, the CMO and Chief Duck Handler at Aflac. Shannon and I were first introduced when we were forming The A-Pledge, a nonprofit we co-founded in 2020 to fight for racial equity in the advertising and marketing community. We talk about her incredibly impressive journey, how, as a Black female, she's navigated through her career, and the good she is able to do at Aflac and through The A-Pledge. I'm quite certain her words will inspire you the way they always do for me. And hey, while I've got you, definitely consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening on. I have a lot of great guests lined up that, trust me, you won't want to miss. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, I am thrilled to have this podcast episode finally happening with my friend Shannon. Shannon, will you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Hi, everyone. I'm Shannon Watkins. I call myself the Chief Duck Handler, um, but I am the um, Chief Brand and Marketing Officer over at Aflac and just thrilled to be here. Awesome. Well, we got connected because we're both co-founders of the A-Pledge. And I I was starting that initiative with my, Mike Papowski and Daryl Cobbins. And like the first meeting we had, they're like, we got to get Shannon involved in this. Um, so when you got that ask, who, which one of those guys reached out to you? Mike, Mike P. Okay. Was it a, was it a hard decision? I know, I know you're busy. You've got a lot going on. Uh, what was that like? Absolutely not. It was one of the easiest yeses I've had um, in a very long time. I am born and raised in Atlanta. I'm from old Atlanta. And and I have a very non-traditional path to, to the spot that I occupy now. And I know that a lot of people in Atlanta and within the industry haven't had the chance. They haven't had the opportunity to, to simply be able to show up and have a seat at the table and be in the room. And so it was a very easy decision for me to say, yes, please sign me up. Yeah. Well, you've been, I mean, I've just so enjoyed being a co-founder and board member with you. Um, For those who don't know, the A-Pledge is an initiative that 10 of us started uh, last year. And the goal is to match the diversity of the marketing and advertising agencies in Atlanta to that of our city. And so we're, we're almost through year one, which I can't believe, and just <laughs> lots of momentum. But Shannon, it's been awesome for you to be a part of that and, and to have you as, as a leader within the organization. Thank you. And I think, you know, when we think about the brand lands, a lot of people think about the advertising and industry 
lens and saying, seeing the lack of diversity and representation, you know, that's on that side of the house. And I feel that in on the brand side of the house, we absolutely have the opportunity to change not only what the brand makeup looks like, but also make the hard decisions on the agencies that we'll partner with, so the ones that are truly committed to diversity. And that's the role that I feel like I play. That's the role that brand marketers and leaders in these in corporate organizations can play to make a meaningful change in our industry. So I, I couldn't be more thrilled and honored. Yeah. Well, it it's been fun to watch the group grow together and um, to to bring the community together around this. So again, it's it's been awesome to have you a part of that. And I want to talk about something that. I don't know if this was on your bucket list, but I saw an Instagram post by Dion Sanders where he talks about <laughs> he talks about how much he loves you and of course Aflac, but my goodness, he goes on and on about how incredible you are. Now, was that ever something you thought would be happening? Absolutely not. I <laughs> I I tell everyone that I have a very non-traditional path to this point and I I Over the last, I think, year, I feel like I finally found my groove in in able to just show up authentically. I feel like there was a pivot last year where I said, you know what, in order for me to really be authentic in this role and to show up every day as who I am, I need to take take off the mask, take off the handcuffs, leave the baggage behind and really step into what I think I was put here to do in this moment. And I started to get real clear with my purpose. You know, when I think about purpose, a lot of people think it's about title or money or having a certain role. But for me, purpose is being in the spot where you are drawn closer to God and using that to drive what needs to be manifest on earth. And and it was, you know, uh, uh, last year, so much happened in the social landscape, in the political landscape. And there was just this need in me to make sure that I'm using my time on this earth and the spot that I occupy to help people. It's just that simple. How can I use my efforts and energy um, to help people? And the beauty is that AFLAC is a company it's designed to help people. So I really leaned into that as a sweet spot and the work that the team is able to produce based on the company that we work at is just, I couldn't be more excited. You know, when we think about the Deion Sanders partnership, we're aligned on purpose. As we approach football season with our lead agency, Dagger, we said, yes, this is the third year of coach Nick Saban and our and our partnership with him. But how can we use this moment in time to create a movement? And within the context of football, that movement was all around not just showing a monolithic view of the college football experience, number one. But number two, helping to stand in the gap for HBCUs who um, are, are great, produce some of the world's leaders, not just corporate leaders, but the world's leaders in government, in um, corporate America, lawyers, doctors, judges, 
but the funding gap is huge. And so if we could use our platform to create a movement to help provide a, a light or shine a light on HBCU, starting with their football program, but extending to their academic focus, that's our goal. And we found the perfect partner in Coach, in Coach Deion Sanders. And, you know, who would have thought that during this partnership, he would have an unexpected medical event? And that's where AFLAC, you know, can show up and show out. And so we, um, with the help and, and really leadership of my, 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 my partner in crime, Garth, um, he worked with Coach and his team to get him a scooter as a physical manifestation of the um, benefit and support that AFLAC can provide in times of need and, and during your recovery. So it, it has been a, a blessing for me to be at AFLAC and to be able to bring their brand promise to life um, through this football season. Talk about an amazing way to, to your point, to bring the brand to life. And that's the, the video is, is Dion on that scooter. And I mean, to call it a scooter, that thing is amazing. He is like a quackalack. You know, it's a quackalack. <laughs> quackalack. <laughs> yeah. He, he loves it. It's so great. And how awesome is that to uh you know find your purpose to to want to help others and actually be at a company where you get paid to do that? I mean, even if and we're gonna talk about this amazing uh promotion that you guys just launched today, but even if Affleck didn't do all the things they do in the community at the very heartbeat of the company, it's to help people through tough times. And for you to find that you want to do that with your career, you know, you can do that with things like the a pledge where it's just all about giving back. But I think it's magical when you can find a company to work for that allows you to do that. And I think that's the best way to, to describe how I feel in, 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 you know, especially over the last year, I feel like it's magical. I, I sometimes pinch myself, um, when I get to think about the role that I can play. But I, I just remember very vividly when I was, you know, interviewing for App Like, first of all, I, I was at Coke when I got a, a, just a call that says, hey, like we have a role at App Like, would you be interested? And just like a lot of people across the country, I knew the App Like duck, but had no idea what the company was all about. I, like many people, thought it was, like with homeowners insurance or car insurance. And, you know, through my due diligence, I started to learn more about the company and what they do. And it's really to help with expenses health insurance doesn't cover because most of us around this country who are employed have insurance. But at the end of the day, health insurance wasn't designed to cover everything. And you're going to have a gap, right? You're going to have a gap that you have to pay. In, and that's what AFLAC is for. So, you know, I knew there was some some secret sauce there from an alignment perspective of helping people. But the more I got to know about the company and the great work of Dan and Kathleen Amos over the years, they they started the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center, I think it's 26 years ago. Aflac and its associates have given more than $154 million to research, um, to, to, to um, cancer research for kids. Teresa White is our president. Um, she's an African-American female. She is a tremendous servant leader with a heart of gold who allowed me to just be who I am and, and bring my whole self to the table, which doesn't happen all the time in these types of roles. And then to see 
um, the power of Athlete Carried Forward through some of the investment partnerships we have with Soundpoint Capital. Um, Fred Crawford, our, our CFO, announced, uh, a, I think it's a $500 million investment fund through Soundpoint that's going to go back to economically disadvantaged communities across the country to help close some of those gaps. It's a fantastic organization. And again, you know, I, I just, I feel blessed to just be able to be in the seat, learn from Dan, learn from Teresa and be able to help people every day. Yeah. What, what a gift. Well, we happen to be recording this on October 1st when there's a pretty big announcement coming from you guys, right? Absolutely. So, you know, when we think about America from coast to coast, there are lots of people out there who have good health insurance, but they've had a medical event happen to them and they open that mailbox and there's an unexpected medical bill. And over the last, you know, couple of years, this country's been in a tough time. You know, with COVID, there are lots of people who are living paycheck to paycheck. So many people have less than $1,000 in their savings account to pay for an unexpected expense. People across this country and specifically multicultural communities, we're seeing that they're putting off going to the doctor. They're putting off treatment because they don't have the money in the bank to cover it. And when that unexpected bill or event does happen, they get the bill and they simply can't pay for it. And we're finding more and more people across this country having to make the difficult decision between paying for rent or food mm. and a medical bill. And when you think about that at its core, it is, it is absolutely not, nothing we would ever expect the America of today to be faced with, especially when you have health insurance. And so we've been hearing these stories from coast to coast, and we oftentimes have a lot of our policyholders who will write in and tell us about, you know, the amazing benefits they've received from AFLAC and the difference that it's made in, its, in, in their lives. And we, we sat back and thought, like, what if we put these policyholder stories on full display? You know, typically our advertising features the AFLAC duck. And he will always be our mascot, our feathered friend. But what if we put policyholders at the center of our marketing campaign and tie a contest to it so that people who don't have AFLAC can experience what it's like for us, for our company to have their back? If you think about it, it's almost like product sampling um, mm -hmm. and with no strings attached. It's not something you typically see. In, in the insurance industry. And so that's exactly what we're trying to do. We want to give people the opportunity to experience AFLAC. So starting today, we've announced a $1 million um, program that we're going to give out a million dollars from now until the end of 2022. We're starting with consumer care grants. What that means is we want people to write in, tell us about um, their experience with an unplanned expense in the medical bill, bills that they have as a result of it, or send in a video to afflac.com slash care. And we're going to choose people and give them $5,000 grants to care, to, to pay for their unexpected medical bills. Again, it's just our small way to try to make a difference in people's lives. We think now more than ever, that something like this is needed. And, and us as a 
as a corporate entity, we want to inspire and push other corporations who have the, the means to also help close gaps from coast to coast. Mm, that's going to change so many lives. I can't wait for you to get the stories back of people who take advantage of that. And, and just, it, it absolutely changes their lives. Um, that's gotta be just the most heartwarming thing to, to see that you're able to help people through what would be otherwise the most difficult point in their lives. Absolutely. Um, if we can just make a small dent and be just, just, you know, $5,000 can be super meaningful to people. It depends on where you are on the scale of wealth, right? But but if somebody's facing a medical debt and they really are looking at the cash that they have or the savings that they have and having to make that very difficult decision of do I eat, do I buy um, my, my children, you know, a new pair of shoes or paying for this medical bill, paying rent versus paying a medical bill, we don't ever want anyone to be in that position and, and we're we're blessed to be able to help. Yeah. Awesome. Just continues to be another great thing from a great company. So I do want to talk about your journey uh, that that led you to, to Aflac. I, I didn't quite realize the scope of, of the places that you've worked until I was sort of preparing for this, uh, this chat. And my gosh, you must have the most impressive corporate resume that I've ever seen. I mean, you've been at P&G, Kraft, ConAgra, and then somehow both Pepsi and Coke can you talk about that for a minute? <laughs> I know yeah, you were at Pepsi so, only for maybe six months before you, yeah. before you switched, but yeah, tell me about that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I keep saying I have a very non-traditional path to where I'm sitting today. If I, if I think back to, to where I'm from, you know, my grandparents are from Georgia, their parents are from Georgia. And as I was thinking about this chat today, it struck me like my grandparents were sharecroppers. Um, that's where we started. And, you know, my, my parents born and raised in Atlanta, they've always pushed me to do the best that I could, even if it wasn't immediately visible. They always pushed me to dream really, really big, despite the obstacles that's in front of me. My parents didn't go to college, but they surrounded me with love and a lot of opportunity to just try different things. And so growing up, I always thought I wanted to be a doctor. And so I wound up at this university in Nashville, biology pre-med. The last semester, I found out the hard way. I have a very weak stomach. And I was like, <laughs> oh God, I can't be a doctor. I have to figure something else out. And I wound up doing an internship, believe it or not, in soil and atmospheric sciences with the USDA. What I thought I liked about that assignment and that, that internship was the science of it. But what I really, the insight that I gained about myself is that I really love turning data into something that people could act on. So I was splicing wheat germs to help farmers of Pullman, Washington yield better crops. But the part that I loved about it was just sharing with them the science to help them um, have have more success in the field. And so after that, I came back to, to this for my last year, thought I was going to study soil and atmospheric sciences. I was on my way to be a weather girl. Um, and at the last minute, I was like, I'm burned out. I can't do any more school right now. So I wound up 
taking the PNG mat. Back then, you had to take a standardized test to even get an interview at PNG. Don't know how I made it over the hump and wound up interviewing there and getting hired. My job at PNG was the middleman between the R&D group and the brand group. And I had so many people at PNG that just gave me an opportunity to tag along. Whether it was Katie Williams, who is now the CMO of GSK, or Ann Sempowski Ward, she's now the CEO of Time up in Minnesota. They gave me the opportunity to just tag along and learn. So I t- went along the TV shoots. I went to all, uh, all types of research, um, just a fly on the wall. And it really inspired me to get clear about what kind of career I wanted. And it was definitely a career in brand management. So from there, I went back to um, Indiana University um, in Bloomington, Indiana, had a great time there. It was very challenging because you got to remember, I went from going to a historically black college to a PWI. I went from doing biology, never taking an economics class or a finance class or anything like that, going straight into business school. So I struggled the entire time. But IU, they really wrapped their arms around me and would not accept failure from me. So I, I grew some lifelong, you know, friendships. And, and I, I give back to IU today, even being on the Dean's Council, because I just believe, you know, what they are doing to support um, co- the community there, trying to push for more diversity in um, the B-School ranks is outstanding. I just want to continue to do everything that I can. Um, to, to support them. And so after business school, I went to Kraft Foods. At Kraft, I um, worked on everything in the sun from a, from a business exit of stovetop oven classics. That was an old school uh, memory. And then um, Kraft macaroni and cheese and everything in between. And I was general management, general manager on most of those businesses. And I got wooed away from money. And I got a call from Conagra. I was doing just fine at Kraft. And they were like, hey, we got a whole bunch of money for you over here. And that was um, a lesson learned for me. Never take a job for money. I didn't do my due diligence on Conagra to understand at that point in time, they were truly general management. So I was on brands like Egg Beaters and LaChoy, thinking about, um, you know, bean sprout production and retail trade windows. And pricing, and I was like, oh, this is not speaking to my heart and soul. Um, So I wasn't at ConAgra that long, but it taught me a very valuable lesson. Do your due diligence and never take a job for money because when you are great and you love what you do, the money will come. That was a big lesson learned for me there. Um, I went to, from there, I interviewed at Coke. And I interviewed for the job and did not get the job. And I was devastated because any person from Atlanta, I, I think, think all of us have a secret desire to work for Coke. And I just remember being a, a senior in high school, remembering the, the infamous Tyrese bus commercial where he was singing Always, um, Coca-Cola Always. So I always wanted to work for Coke. And I was devastated because I didn't get the job. And I asked for feedback on the why. And they said, you know what? You are a great candidate, but you don't have any beverage experience. So I was like, I'm going to show you. And so I went to the Pepsi (laughs) bottler in Chicago and got some beverage experience. So the role that I took there was really helping to put um, beverages on blue trucks that weren't a part of the PepsiCo portfolio. 
to help broker the muscle milk deal, getting on the blue trucks, the crush from Dr. Pepper Snapper Group, the crush orange drink, getting on the blue trucks. And I was there just long enough to be hireable um, by Coke. And I remember Jackie Alridge, who was over talent acquisitions at the time, she called me. I was like, absolutely, I'm there. So packed up from Chicago, moved to Atlanta and started out in what's called venturing and emerging brands. That group was um, built to to never kind of have to pay for a, a huge transaction like they did vitamin water, but to build or incubate um, their own billion dollar brand. So I launched uh, Soken Beecher, which was a wellness tea. Uh, it was a billion dollar brand that we owned in Japan, launched in the United States, worked on Coke Zero for quite some time, working on NCAA and the charter deal for college game day with Coke, launched the, sp- the Sunny Sparkling Water. And I was looking around at where do I go next in my career? And I really wanted to work on Powerade. Powerade was a sports drink category. I always wanted to work on an, a, br- a brand with emotional storytelling. Powerade was also a severe underdog. So Gatorade, lead, lead sports drinks. And I was like, I want to work on a business where I have to pull different muscles to be competitive. So I begged to get on the desk and they finally said yes. And I, I was on power for about three years. I did everything from new product development. Um, it, I was, it was a true P&L leadership role. So I was doing commercialization and product supply. But the thing that I loved most about that job was um, the ability to be creative in storytelling through the launch of our Just a Kid campaign. So I remember very vividly getting on the desk and we didn't have an advertising campaign. And Widening Kennedy was our um, advertising agency at the time. And, you know, we said, I was on the desk for about a month and I said, okay, what we've been doing hasn't been working. Um, so I had a couple of coworkers, Sue and Guy, and we all got together and we tore up the brief. And we said, Wyden, you're the best in the business. You know sports. What would you come back with if we told you we want to be for inner city multicultural teams who, who have potential but need someone to believe in them? That's the role that we want to play as Powerade. And Wyden and Kennedy came back with the Just a Kid campaign. And so we were able to launch that with Derrick Rose, extend it with um, Jimmy Graham. We had Jose Tecatico, who was a, um, a, a big um, soccer star in Mexico. But we were able to tell stories of belief for multicultural kids in the inner city and turn our gear. We were selling just a kid from localized t-shirts and we were able to turn those profits over to the Boys and Girls Club. So that was my first time connecting the dots between brand, promise, and purpose. And that really was the catalyst for, for, if I'm honest with myself, of why I'm in the seat that I am in today and and just having a great time over at Applet. Mm, what a what a powerful story. Um, the the connection of brand promise and purpose. So rarely do companies do that. Um, what you know, as you look back at your career, all the great marketing you know organizations you were a part of. Why why do you think that's so infrequently done at corporations? 
Um, I think it's, number one, I think it takes time. In order for you to really break through with a consumer, you have to say a message multiple times. And you have to really, if you're going to go into the promise space, you have to have the receipts, as I like to say, to back it up. And a lot of times companies are honestly either scared to begin that conversation or they don't have the receipts or the good actions to back up the promise. And that is where I think um, there is difficulty in brands and brand leaders kind of leaning into this type of communication. It's not easy to, to, to stand up and say we're going to be for X because a lot of times your legacy is tied to it. Your personal legacy and the legacy of the company is tied to these types of decisions. So I think that's why a lot of people simply don't do it. We stay in a place of um, communicating product benefits mm. um, and not talking about purpose. Mm. Yeah, no, spot, spot on. Um, I, it's funny right before this, um, before we got on this zoom to, to have this conversation, I got a text from Ben and Jerry's, right? I'm signed up for their emails and their texts. And this one was at Ben and Jerry's. We're proud to stand with the women's March to defend access to reproductive health services for all join a March tomorrow. And there's a link where I can literally click and it'll tell me where I can join a March, uh, in my area. And I think of like them, Patagonia as companies that, and, and Aflac that do so much, with their heart and with their purpose. And, and yet they're also able to be very, very successful in what they do. Are there some brands that you look to that you're like, those guys get it? Um, yes. I think, um, Jordan brand is a brand that gets it. Um, not just because I love their shoes, but because I think they understand that their core, the core core of their demographic are multicultural um, teams. And the work that I see them doing to reinvest their profits into HBCUs, into communities of color, I think they are sitting at the intersection of culture and commerce and pushing their good back into the organization's that, that quite honestly need the help um, because they recognize the growth cycle. If you support the communities that buy you, they in turn can buy you more. And I think they're an example of somebody that's doing it really well. Awesome. Yep. They are a great example. Um, okay. A couple of questions here for you that I always like to ask my guests. And then um, we have a bonus question from one of our friends that I, that I reached out to before this. So uh, do you have any Favorite quotes that you go back to in your life? Um, the easy quote is, um, you know, do unto others as they would have them do unto you. Um, that's the one that I kind of live and die by. I try to always, you know, behave in a way that it, that I would want to be treated in. And these jobs, you know, when you're leading organizations, these jobs are hard. They're pressure filled. They're pressure packed. And sometimes we lose sight of the fact that at the end of the day, we may have these titles or be responsible for these things, but we're all human. Um, so that is something that I'm constantly having to remind myself of. Um, the second thing that I've been saying a lot is I, I pray for new levels without new devils. 
Um, anytime, you know, you take on more responsibility or try to do something that's new and truly breakthrough, truly breakthrough, truly game changing, you're going to be met with opposition. And so my, my, my continuous prayer is new levels without new devils, because I want to continue to do things that's going to push the needle. And I pray for a smooth path to, to get to, you know, push, push agendas. New levels without new devils. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, oh, what about favorite books? Are you are you a big reader? Yes, I've been trying to do more reading, and um, I have been. So I've also been doing a lot of running because I'm trying to lose this COVID fifteen. Um, so I just got back out, and you know, in Georgia we had the nine to twelve season, so it was fake fall. Now we're back to summer. So I'm looking forward to, 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 to fall really getting here, but I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and a lot of sermons. And it's one um, person, Sarah Jakes, who I've been listening to a lot. And she has a book called Woman Evolve that I'm halfway through that I'm really, really, really loving right now. Mm, that's a great tip. Um, and I, I would recommend, I don't know if you've read, um, Michelle Obama's book becoming, but I'm listening to it and she reads it. And so I'm listening to it on drives and runs and stuff. It's, Mm -hmm. it's so great, obviously, Uh, but, but her reading it, you really feel what, you know, what her life's been like. And, and right now I'm at the point where uh, Barack is just running for president for the first time. And to hear her side of it, it's Mm -hmm. just fascinating. Yeah. It is, it is amazing to see how she has been able to operate in such grace. She just operates in grace. And so that is something that I pray for, the, the grace of Michelle Obama every day, all day, because even though she's faced a lot of challenges and being in the public eye and incredible expectations um, of her that are, in my opinion, a lot of times unrealistic, she's just been able to lead with such grace and really is an inspiration to, to a lot of us. And I think an inspiration in into how they manage their marriage. I mean, she's very honest about the conversations they had and um, the ups and downs and how they work through it. And it's been that that's been inspiring for me just for my marriage. So there's so much to learn from, from that book. So I highly recommend that to people. Uh, So, so I reached out to DC, Daryl Cobbins. And I said, do you have a question I can ask Shan when I talk to her? And so this was his question and we'll, we'll end on this one. He says, as an African-American woman who occupies a C-suite role at a Fortune 200 company, what would you tell yourself at age 15 about what it takes to reach where you are now? Oof. Um, what I would tell my 15-year-old self is that it takes very tough skin. Um, it takes a belief in yourself, and that belief has to be driven by your ability to show up as exactly who you are. You don't need to change. You don't need to conform. You don't need to emulate. You need to really sit in the fact that you are enough. Sit in the pocket, let your shoulders down, and be exactly who you are. And that is enough to to command the respect of those around you and the respect of those that you want to drive a change in their hearts and minds. I think for a lot of my career, you know, you, you always, it, be, being African-American female, 
there are lots of people in the industry that I that that we have idolized. We have created idols out of some African American CMOs and African American leaders, and not because they don't deserve it, um, because they have done great work. But I think it puts a lot of pressure on younger folks coming up um, to think about emulating people in these leadership positions, especially people of color, versus sitting in your own ideas and identity and knowing that is enough. And that's what I would tell my 15-year-old self, getting ready to embark on a, on a long career. You know, pace yourself, but you are enough. Mm. And then I guess I'll ask a follow-up because obviously that part of that is in you. Um, where did you get that sense of belief in yourself? Did it just come over time where you had to build, you know, those scars or were you a, a strong-willed believe in yourself type of child? I've always been strong-willed. I've always been a believe in my belief in myself kind of kid, but I think it comes with time. I think it comes from bumping your head, getting those battle scars, having those heartbreaks and getting up the next day with renewed perspective and knowing that you can still go on and fight the good fight. You may have lost the, the, the battle, but you won't lose the war. And I think having some of those bad experiences and knowing on the other side, you're going to be okay, because you know what? It's not just you that's going to have a bad experience. All of us have these bad experiences, but you just got to get back up and try again. And if that way didn't work for success, try a different way. Um, I think it's just come over time. And I have a, a very, very supportive village. When you think about, you know, you, you and your wife and Michelle and Barack, my husband is incredibly supportive. We're polar opposites. Um, I'm high energy. He's, he's a little bit more mellow. But what he does help me with is having and seeing a different perspective. And I know that I would not be where I am today, quite honestly, without his help and support and guidance. Mm. Well, I hope to meet him one day. He sounds amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Shannon, thank you so much for joining me today. The work you guys are doing in Aflac alone is is just so inspiring, and I, and I hope brands are paying attention. Um, but then, you know, the leadership you've shown and the things I've learned from you with the A Pledge, it's just been an honor to work with you. So I'm so glad we got to have this chat, and I hope I hope to see you in person. I don't, we haven't actually met in person yet, have we? No, we have not. So I, I am absolutely looking forward to it. I cannot wait. <laughs> All right. Well, have a, have a great rest of the day and thanks for joining me. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Wow. You made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't think people did that anymore. Well, since I still have you, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you'll be alerted as soon as I post my next one. And second, I'd love for you to subscribe to my email newsletter. I send out an email every week or two, and it's really where I share my more personal thoughts and ideas. Plus, I give stuff away sometimes. You can find the sign up at my blog, jeffhillemeyer.com, and I really do appreciate you listening. 